we, we've been doing our series on Ephesians and we finished it. And towards the end in chapter 6, it was talking about the armour of God and how that as believers, we are involved in spiritual warfare. And what I want to do is take a couple of sermons just to talk about the application of spiritual warfare in our personal lives. How does it affect us? Now, a few months ago, I, I talked about Jesus' baptism. And when Jesus was baptised, the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove and words came down from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Well, immediately after Jesus was baptised, he went into the wilderness where he was harassed and he came under spiritual attack from Satan. Now, how many of you have had something really exciting happen in your life? You've had a spiritual breakthrough in one way or another. And straight after that event, something really bad, something really ugly has happened in your life. I mean, it happens in Scripture in all sorts of ways. Here's Moses. He goes up Mount Sinai. He has an encounter with God. God gives him the Ten Commandments. Then he comes down and finds that the people of Israel have built a golden calf, an idol to the God of the Egyptians. And then we have situations like Elijah. There was a fast, there was a famine for seven years. And, El and Elijah goes back and there's this big confrontation with the prophets of Baal. And the idea is who can have an altar, a sacrifice, and ask their God to bring fire on the sacrifice. And after the prophets of Baal were beating themselves up and calling out for their God to come, Elijah provokes them. He says, look, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe he's not listening. Cry out louder. And then fire from God came down and burnt that sacrifice when Elijah prayed. And then in the next chapter, Jezebel says, I'm going to get you, Elijah. And Elijah runs off into the wilderness. He's scared. He's just seen an amazing miracle of the power of God. And then things in a similar way happen in the New Testament. Jesus and his disciples fed the 5,000. An amazing miracle. And then the disciples start to go across the Sea of Galilee and there's a storm. And they're worried that they're going to be shipwrecked. And Jesus comes walking to them on the water, gets in the boat, calms the storm. Then they get to the other side and they have this encounter with a demoniac, a man who is demonised. Something amazing happens. And straight after it, something bad happens. And so today I want to look at this temptation of Jesus and how Satan tempted Jesus and how Jesus responded to the attack of Satan. So let's start off by reading Luke chapter 4 verses 1 to 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. 
He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, the Greek um, language, when it talks about Jesus going into the wilderness... The Greek actually states that Jesus had to pass through the wilderness. And sometimes each of us have to pass through a wilderness experience in our lives to get to where God wants us to be. And often during these times we feel out of touch with God. We feel anxious and alone. We wonder, where is God? At the moment. And it's in times like this that Satan will try to seize his opportunity to destroy our faith. But the wilderness is God's classroom for the preparation of what God has ahead for us. Even when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, when we're totally committed to Christ. That's the time when Satan is most concerned about what we're going to accomplish in our lives. And so he tries to distract us from our purpose and to get us caught up in things that don't even matter. Or to argue about <clears throat> issues that are trivial. Like you can't use that word trivial anymore because young people don't understand it. <laughs> but we can get caught up in things that don't actually make any difference. And we've got new elders um, being elected in a couple of weeks' time. And um, it's really important that we get the right elders. And I'm really confident that we've got two good people standing for that role. Because eldership is where we need to listen to what God's saying to us as a church. And we need to focus on the vision of where God is taking us. But I hear from other pastors time and time again that their eldership gets hijacked about issues that don't even matter and they can't make decisions on basic things which mean that they can't actually attend to the real issues. Satan will try to cause division and resentment in any Christian group to keep us from the unity of the Holy Spirit. And so at Jesus' baptism, God spoke and he said, This is my beloved son. Satan sowed doubt into Jesus' mind by saying, If you are really the son of God. So here's God saying, You are the son of God. Satan tempts Jesus by saying, If you are really the son of God. And that's how Satan works. He whispers doubt into our minds. It starts off with a negative thought. It's not as though Satan's prancing around in a red suit with a, a three-pronged spear when he speaks to us. But if we don't dismiss these thoughts, they grow into strongholds in our minds and they become places from which the devil can operate. We may find ourselves arguing against things that we once believed. Satan is way craftier than we realise. 
And so that new song that Helen taught us today, it declares our identity in Christ. It's called, I am who you say I am. Now some of you might be thinking, well that's okay for some people to be free in Christ. But I could never be free in Christ because I've got an anger problem. Or I've done stuff that God could never forgive. I'm still struggling with my addiction to drugs, pornography. I'm a bad person. I'm not even a good parent. I tell lies. But we have to stand in our identity in Christ because Satan will try to whisper things into our ears that make us think that we're not worthy. And that verse in that song, the sun, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Now I want you to be singing that phrase all week. If the sun, I won't sing it. <laughs> I will. Who the sun sets free. He is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Remember that phrase. It's a catchy little tune. Sing it throughout the week. Get that thought into your mind. You are a child of God. We've been adopted as the sons and daughters of God. Live your life to please your heavenly Father. And tap into his love and his strength. There's other verses that we can use in times when we're feeling flat and under attack. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So spiritual attack begins in the mind. But we can claim the promises of God and we can speak them out. We can sing them out. And we can believe the truth of what God has done for each of us. Our minds can be transformed over time as we truly believe that we are sons and daughters of the King and as we walk in obedience with God. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 tells us that we're to take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. And in our passage this morning, it goes on in verse 3 to say, If you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Jesus was quoting from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 3. And so the Spirit of God brought those words to Jesus' mind. And as we go through life, as we're going through difficulty, suddenly we will find a phrase from the Bible, a verse. It will come to our mind. And God is saying, focus on that at this moment. Believe the truth of my word. Don't get distracted by this temptation. Don't give the enemy access to your mind. So Satan here was tempting Jesus to overcome his hunger by turning the stones into bread. 
by using the divine power that God had given him for his own selfish purposes. A few months later, Jesus did feed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. He performed a miracle six months later when he used his powers to feed other people as well as himself. And we're tempted in things that involve self-interest. Satan wants each of us to be self-indulgent. He'll say to each of us, eat, drink, and be merry. Satisfy yourself. A phrase that you hear a lot in New Zealand these days is, you've earned it. You've earned it. It's yours. Don't waste your time on the needs of those people around you. Just look after number one. So Jesus was led into the wilderness and lots of Christians like to use that word led, don't we? Oh, God led me to do this. And it can often be used to justify our own decisions. Just bought this amazing car. God led me to do it. But Paul says in Galatians 6 verse 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And we can each ask ourselves the question this morning, are we being led by the Spirit of God? Are the decisions that we make God's decisions? Are we allowing time to listen to God and allow Him to direct us? Being led by the Holy Spirit is not usually an impulsive response or feeling. And then the second way that Satan tempted Jesus was another attractive offer. Luke chapter 4 verses 5 to 8. The devil led Jesus up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So here Satan was offering Jesus the kingdoms of the world without Jesus having to endure the pain of the cross. All Jesus had to do was bow down and worship Satan and he would have given him the authority that he stole from humankind when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. So the temptation here is for us to follow the easy pathway, to take shortcuts. You know, often as Christians, we seek an event rather than determine to go through a process. We want everything to happen instantly. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Many of the things God does in our lives are by a process that involves gradual change over time, involves being obedient to God, learning from the mistakes that we make, taking one step after another as we follow God, continuously offering ourselves to God 
in every decision that we make. Proverbs 14 verse 18 says, The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of the day. Now you see the sunrise in the morning, and it's getting brighter and brighter until the middle of the day the sun is up there and it's as bright as it gets and then it starts to go down on the other side. That's how it's to be in our walk with God. We start off like a sunrise. We become a Christian. And we don't know too much about the light of God. But as we follow God, as we read his word, as we determine to obey him, we become more knowledgeable and the light of God shines even brighter on us and radiates through us as we minister to others. You know, there, were, there was a time when Helen and I were very active in deliverance ministry and we would pray for people that were under the attack of demonic spirits and we saw amazing things happen. We saw people, we, we heard demonic voices speaking out of people we would be praying for someone who had self-pity and they would be sobbing. And, and we would, the, the, the spirit would say, I don't want to go, where will I go? And, and so we had many people coming for us, to us for this sort of prayer ministry. But then after a couple of weeks, some of them would come back and say, look, I've done this and, I, and I've lost my joy and I feel I've got that problem again. Can you pray for me again? And we got to a point where we realised that with most of these things, it was a matter of people being transformed by the renewing of their mind. It couldn't just be a quick fix. We'll pray for you and your problem's gone. You've got to change the way that you think. And so what is happening on the inside of us will ultimately reveal itself on the outside. It will be reflected in our speech, in our attitudes, our behaviour and relationships. And we can't become fruitful until we put down godly roots. You know, it disturbs me when I hear about people that, that change church because a church is a family. And as you are part of a godly family, you put down roots and people know you and they can speak into your life and they can help you and they can encourage you. But every time you move, you rip out those roots and you've got to be replanted somewhere else and you lose something through the process. There are no perfect churches, but we need to understand our people and love our people and grow through our experiences in this. But most of us want one miraculous event that will take us out of our debt, out of our addictions, out of our ill health. But this will normally require the reversal of the process that got us into trouble in the first place. People that win lotto, many of them, are poor again after about five years because they've never been able to control the way that they spend their money. People can be delivered from depression but a few weeks later they're depressed again because they haven't renewed their thought processes and how they deal with hardship in their life. And so Satan promised Jesus a gift that would have been temporary. 
God's legacy to us, his obedient sons and daughters, is eternal. And so we're to choose between our short-term ambitions and God's long-term direction for our lives. Obeying God is not cheap or easy. We have a choice. We can bow the knee to Satan for a short-term gain or we can look to Jesus for our eternal inheritance. And this will, at times, involve inconvenience. It wasn't easy for Helen and I to move to Azerbaijan. It was very hard over there. But we felt called. And God was in that decision. But it was very difficult in many ways. God might be calling you to change jobs or to even have to endure suffering and persecution. So Jesus off, Satan offered Jesus an easy shortcut. And he did, does that again in the third temptation. And the third temptation would have brought Jesus instant popularity and avoided the pain of the cross. Satan quoted again from the Old Testament in Psalm 91 verse 11 and said, throw yourself down from the temple and God's angels will catch you. He's saying, look, make this superhuman entrance. Impress all those people and then they'll follow you. Jesus' security was conditional on his obedience to God. Satan wanted to see Jesus smashed on the rocks below. And if we step outside of God's will, we run a greater risk of being exposed to danger and possible harm. So Jesus used two weapons to secure his victory over this temptation. Once again, he stood firmly on the scriptures and he operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. He repeated back to Satan the phrase, It is written. He entrusted the inspired word of God that came from the Holy Spirit. And as we read God's word, as we read our Bibles, the Holy Spirit helps us to understand its truth and to live out that truth in our lives. The Holy Spirit cannot tolerate sin. And his wisdom helps us to discern what are Satan's lies and schemes. The Holy Spirit will never tell us to do something that's wrong, something that's dishonest. There are times when the, the devil will overreach himself because the difficulties that he brings on us will actually grow us and they will enable us to ultimately fulfill God's supreme purpose for our lives. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. It's not a sin to be tempted. God can use temptation to grow us and to mould our lives. God's ultimate intent is that we be transformed into the image of Christ, that we become more and more like Jesus every day. He is the potter. We are the clay. But the pot is not complete until it's been through the fire. 
God will highlight, highlight areas of weakness in our lives. Our failure will continue until we finally surrender to God's love and authority in our lives. You know, the journey that the Israelites took from Egypt to the Promised Land, they could have completed that journey in two weeks, but it ended up taking them 40 years. And when we make self-seeking decisions, we produce unfruitful, wasted years in the wilderness. Yielding to God's love and direction brings positive change to all of those hardened areas in our lives. It's interesting in verse 13, it says, When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until an opportune time. He's looking for those moments of weakness. Often they occur when we're feeling cocky, when we're feeling pretty pleased with ourselves. We've got to be on our guard. Satan will attack us at those times when we are most vulnerable. But God uses these times to strengthen us and to equip us for our Christian life and our witness. Jesus' wilderness experience signalled the beginning of his earthly ministry. And in verse 14 it says, Triumphing over Satan, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he started doing those miracles and allowing people to see that he was the Son of God. Being full of the Holy Spirit released the power that was necessary to minister to others and to ultimately defeat Satan on the cross. So let's just summarise the main area, the main temptations that Jesus encountered here. So they can be summarised as uh, number one, who am I? You're a child of God. Do you fully understand your identity in Christ? Number two, am I more worried about what people think of me than what God thinks of me? Number three, am I serving God or myself? Because loving, living for Jesus involves denying ourselves, taking up our cross daily and following him turning away from our obsession with self and walking in obedience to him. We're self-serving by nature. Our main concerns are self-preservation and self-promotion. But Jesus gained the victory on our behalf and he gives us the power and the strength to follow him and to win the battles that we face. When we live in obedience to his will and walk in his power, we too can enjoy victory over the powers and deceptions of the evil one. Let's pray. Father God, I don't know where each of us stands in our relationship with you. Lord, we all want to go to heaven. We're all scared of hell. But we all want to be successful. We all want to be important. 
Lord, give us discernment. Fill us with your spirit. Help us to know your word so that you can speak to us during our times of difficulty. Lord, I pray for those amongst us who are struggling at the moment, who are battling with temptation and difficulty. Lord, may they find their rest in you. May you come to them in the storm, calm the storm, and see them safely to the other side. In Jesus' name, amen.